Welcome to the John Chapman Show, where we talk about the path of a wealthy millennial, uncovering the truth about building and protecting your nest egg. Join us on this journey as we hear the stories of millennials and mentors alike to help you plan, manage, and protect your wealth. John is an employee of WorthPoint LLC. All opinions expressed by John and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of WorthPoint. This podcast should not be relied upon for investment decisions and is for informational purposes only. Hey everyone, John Chapman. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the podcast. I'm excited today to have my friend, Can Ta, who is an executive partner at Bink, a recruiting firm in the Bay Area, helping technology firms large and small. And today we're going to dive into what it's like to be a job seeker in 2020, uh, how to who evaluate offers from large and small companies, uh, where to start, and all the things that you need to look out for. So without further ado, let me bring in my good friend, Canta. Thanks, John. Excited to uh, to be part of this. Hey, give us a quick background on Bink and your career path so far. Oh, it's a good question. Okay, um, so I went to uh, I went to UCI as a uh, as an undergrad, uh, bio major, graduated, then went to went to law school and uh, practiced law for for a number of years. Um, realized uh, my end game wasn't to be a partner at at, at a law firm. So what I did was I audibled into, into recruiting and actually, uh, I actually changed into legal recruiting as being kind of like what I thought at the time, a temporary pit stop. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and uh, what a lot of people don't know is like 99 to 100% of legal recruiters are former attorneys. And uh, I got into that profession and just realized that um, recruiting kind of fit really well with, with who I was as a person. Hmm. And... Um, uh, and then an opportunity kind of arose uh, to help join Bink when Bink at the time was about three people. Um, this was about <laughs> yeah. probably 10 years ago to help, right, cool. help scale this company. I bet it's grown um, a lot since then. Yeah, I think we're just under 150 right now. Amazing. Amazing. Um, what we do, and you know, I always, people always ask, like, what, what does Bink do and what, what do I do? Um, and a good way to think about, about Bink is if you if you if you know of like the traditional consulting firms that are out there like the PwCs, the Deloitte's, the KPMG's, uh, these these service firms specialize in tax, audit, accounting, and you know right. business ops. We're like we're like the talent acquisition version of that. So wow, companies that are yeah, so companies that are looking to um, to help uh, deploy consultants to help them with their talent acquisition needs and or even like people services as well. Um, they'll they'll retain us, and then we help understand what gaps they have, and then we then assign the appropriate team to kind of come in in a dedicated fashion to help them through either recruiting stuff uh, or advisory level work. Mm. And so it's kind of like the full the full service package. Yeah, to help, uh, to help our portfolio with uh, with the gaps that they're experiencing. I think that's a unique career shift. I don't know if I would have uh, initially thought about a career path into loft than uh, changing place and going into recruiting. So, what is some of the things? Just briefly, I'm curious. Uh, what gets you like out of bed in the morning to do recruiting, and like what's most exciting or passionate about that 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 industry you're in? Ooh, that's a good question. I I I'd, I'd probably say. And it's changed for me over the years. You know, when I was, when I first got into this, I, I loved the thrill of the hunt, finding the right candidate, making the match for, for the clients that I were helping. 
now that now that I've been in this for about 10 years, my my vantage point has shifted in the sense that I I truly believe that what makes or breaks a company is the quality of its people. Mm. Uh, that they, mm. that they powerful. That's really yeah. powerful. Um, and especially in today's age where where the 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 number of like you have so many companies that are growing at, at arguably an exponential pace. Mm. The amount of of talent, quote unquote, that's that's entering the system to work at these companies is is not pacing up to the needs of these companies that are growing exponentially. Mm, how interesting. So, so what's happening is you're we're starting to see what well, at least what I see is a is a gap that's getting wider and wider between the talent pool and the needs of these companies. And in many ways, for companies to continue to grow and thrive and succeed, they're going to have to do more to invest in their people. They're mm-hmm. going to have to do more to, to train their people, to retain their people, to, mm, to grow those people into the next generation of leaders. Yeah. Um, so so I, I do believe that uh, at least w- what I do from a profession perspective, it's, it's more than helping companies find the right talent, but it's also helping infusing in the idea of, of what can you do to help nurture and grow and develop the existing talent that, that you do mm. have. I love that. That's a totally different layer. And I appreciate that. That's much more of like a, like you said, maybe in a consultant or an advisory type role that Bink or you can play for large employers because, um, you know, as a talent pool shrinks or as to say, it gets really tight and it's hyper competitive companies need to really think about how they're fostering their, their employees and what their career path is going to be or what, what services or benefits they get. So I think yeah. that's super interesting. Um, I think, the, you know, I, I saw you speak almost about a year ago, actually, and you had such, oh, a, wow. such an awesome conversation about talking through um, for job seekers, like how to evaluate um, whether their, their offers, maybe to juxtapose, like they get an offer from a large public company and yeah. then they get an offer that looks very different, at least on paper, um, from like, let's say a private you know, either a startup or, or a late stage private company. So yeah. I think there's like a lot of confusion. And, and on the one hand, I feel like uh, equity compensation can be kind of just a total distraction uh, because, you know, for somebody who's focused on their career and people they want to work under or things that they want to do, like changes that they want to make in, in their, you know, in the world, I guess. Um, yeah. And at the same time, it's, it's 100% critical that people understand what they're getting themselves into because this is their money and this is the livelihood that they're going to, you know, take care of their family and maybe one day retire on. So there's some, there's some, there's that those worlds collide in really an interesting place. And at least for me as a financial planner, I I love sitting in the middle of that and I get the most out of helping people with their financial plans when they're making these big decisions. So I just want to get your, pick your brain for the next 20 minutes or so, but what people, what job seekers, um, not that people are unemployed right now, but if they're looking at either, getting promoted or leaving to go to another company like what's some of the things they should do when they evaluate because it feels like a lot is at stake in that moment uh, of this critical decision so i guess i want to just start where where should we start in this conversation if you're a job seeker whether or not you're working right now or not you know, let's say pretend you are looking to leave your current employer yeah like help help me wrap my head around some of the things that somebody should be thinking about yeah that's um it's a it's a great question. This is a it's a it's a very relevant topic to you right now. Um, I would say, especially especially in twenty twenty, um, when 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 people come to me uh, and they 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 try to unpack what what their next move is, and you layer in the equity component, the compensation component, it helps it helps change the evaluation quite 
quite quite drastically. Um, I always try to take it back to uh, to kind of pull that away and kind of take it back to actually thinking through and helping advise the person on what is it that they're actually looking for, like what 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 matters to them, you know, in 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 the sense of like um, why are you looking to leave your current job? Mm. What are like the most important variables? Because you want as an employee who's looking for a new job, it's always better that you're, you know, that you're running toward a new job versus running away from your current job. Mm, that's really good perspective. Um, my, my first thought on that is that I, at least uh, I'd assume that more people are looking to run away from their current job than looking to run towards something, but maybe that's just my perception. You're, you're actually right about that. Um, and the people that we've helped over the years who are running toward a job, they're able to make much more powerful and informed decisions mm. and, and, and when they do make their decision where they go it's it's like they're very confident in it the people that tend to to run away from jobs will find themselves settling for another job and then find mm. themselves running away to the next job mm, um, yeah. and it, it makes me think too if you're running towards a job that that uh uh, where my mind goes with that is it, it extends the life of the job search because if I'm running away from something, it's almost like <laughs> I want to make that change like as quick as possible. But if I'm running towards something, I feel like I get to be more strategic when I do that. That that makes my job search not just like three weeks, but maybe a couple of months. Yep, yep. But it 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 takes a while though to figure out what you want to run toward. Yeah, good point. Uh, and everybody everybody's kind of like personal circumstances, their upbringing, what they care about, where they want to be is, is, is different in terms yeah. of what they want to run toward. And so in many ways, the people that we've seen who are the, who, who are like, who are, who are in a position where wherever they land, they're very happy about it. They've, they've kind of crystallized more what, what's important to them. Mm -hmm. You know, for some people it's in five years, I want to be at this stage in my career relative to uh, my set of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so when you when you really start narrowing down like what's important for career development and the people you want to be around, um, the equity component and the financial component becomes a, a factor in a way, but it's not the driving factor. Mm, mm, yeah, that's so true. I just to just to piggyback on that and to go kind of sideways in the conversation to go away from equity for for just one second. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, you know, as people are maybe they're maybe they're just hit with it in a moment and they feel like. I've accomplished what I set out to do at my current job. I, I desire deeply to like go to another firm and they, it, I feel like the asking that big question of like, why am I making this change can sometimes feel uncomfortable because you're getting vulnerable about what, and it's in, it, it has some, um, you know, unknowns in the future that you're like dealing with. So do you have some recommendations for those people? Are they, do they need to like find a mentor or find somebody at the company they're looking at and pick their brain? What are some of the things that they can be thinking about ahead of time to kind of prepare and draw out the, the why behind the change? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a big fan of, of mentors. Um, I think, I think everybody uh, at whatever stage they are in their career, they're kind of, you know, I think human nature is, is looking for growth. You know, most people, especially in our, in our, in our society are hungry to learn, hungry to grow, hungry to be a different version of themselves over, over time. And um, you can't do that on your own. You can probably pick up books and read a bunch of self-help books and like educate yourself and get really, really smart about it from a, academic perspective, but um, uh, drawing in from outside mentors, people that you 
you admire, who can give you like advice, give you different perspective. That helps, that helps shape what you want to be over the next five years. And there's enough studies about, you know, uh, people, especially in our, 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 our generation and the generation after how over the course of time, they're going to have like quote unquote different careers. And yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's what's happening with the, with the, with the labor market. And, and in fact, there's, there's plenty of studies that talk about the millennials and the, the generation Z after that, where they're, you know, millennials right now are, are starting to enter, enter middle management. Uh, mm, yeah, totally. Um, and then you have Gen, Gen Z that's coming after that. So now millennials are going to have to learn how to like manage Gen Z, just like my generation learned <laughs> how to like, you know, work with millennials. Ra- yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. But, laugh. Yeah. But the future yeah. generation, they're, they're, um, they're, they're much more enterprising in nature. And, and I'm mm-hmm. saying, you know, this from like a broad categorization perspective, sure. obviously, yeah. Yeah. But, but the data is showing that they're, um, you know, uh, over time, they, they may not want to work at a company. They may want to be on their own as independent mm-hmm. contractors mm-hmm. and work part of the gig economy. They may want to have totally. their own side hustles, but they're going to have like really valuable skills to like contribute into, into like the, the, the workforce and into society. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Um, well, let me bring back towards this conversation of equity, and um, I think one of the things that can be confusing. So once, I, let's say that once somebody's they they know more about their why and they've thought critically about five years ahead. Let's say they've consulted mentors or people that they trust. Now they're at the time. Let's pretend that they're they're looking at offers or they're seeking yep. out offers. I uh, you know I can see uh, in my mind like you know two offers side by side and they're reading through the compensation and then they start to see all these acronyms. You know RSU. NSO, ISO, and can start to get, then there's tax ramifications involved, there's timing, and there's grant versus vet versus expire. So one question is just in terms of education, where do people go to educate themselves uh, and all the moving pieces of us? Yeah. Um, So you can go online and you can try like Googling the question, right? And what will pop up is probably blogs and forums of people talking about it. Um, core is actually a pretty strong breeding ground where if you Google something, you'll, you'll see people uh, comment on it. The, the one thing about those types of um, communities, I would say, is they, they oftentimes are coming from the vantage point of the employee. Um, uh, and sometimes some of the comments on there uh, and the opinions could, could probably lack context from the employer and the, mar- the market side. Gotcha. Um, I was referred to a resource. It, it was probably years ago. Uh, there's a company, have you heard of a company called Carta? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So for, for people who are listening, who don't, who haven't heard of Carta, Carta is, um, it's a, it's a SaaS startup that started maybe eight years ago. And so they're, they're still privately held. They're not, they're not a public company, but their, their business model is to build um, a software platform that helps companies and investors manage their, um, their cap tables and valuations and investments in equity. Um, it's a really cool website because they have a they have a blog blogging section okay. where not only do they um, not only do they do they have the software for their clients, but they have a blogging section to help educate the community cool. on, on equity. Hmm. So awesome resource. Yeah, they'll talk about things like trends in employees exercise, and they'll talk about um, actually this very topic: how do you evaluate a job offer? Um, mm-hmm. And then they've got a section on like equity one hundred and one basics. Hmm. Um, so I've, I've used it over the years to just kind of like reference it and see what's, uh, what, what, they're, what they're blogging about. 
Hmm. Um, but I, I would suggest that if anyone wants to kind of like start in the most objective way to educate themselves, yeah, check, check out their blog. And it's, it's written in like a very simple, simple, understandable format. I think you break up a great point because, um, and I've looked at Quora too, actually, even just in my own educational research in that times, but something that you bring up that makes me think uh, trends in equity compensation change over the years. And so depending on whether or not the question and answer took place, like that may or may not be super reliable. So I'm, I'm sure there's good things to glean from that, but it sounds like CART is going to be maybe up more up to date with current trends and simple explanations. So I'll put that in the show notes, uh, C-A-R- TA, Carta. Um, I've checked it out a little bit, but yeah, that's really good to know. So uh, how much of, of this, uh, the education phase is the responsibility of the employer versus the job seeker? So like if, uh, if I'm going to go look at a big public company and I'm comparing two big public companies in, in uh, Silicon Valley, you know, should I expect that uh, these companies are going to provide me with some level of education on it? Or is, is that really just not part of their job? They're going to say, here's your base versus with your variable and this is your job duties. Like what's their responsibility? They, they, most companies that we know of don't, um, don't do a whole lot to educate their, their employees on, on, on the nuances of, of equity, both in the form of, of options uh, for privately held companies and then, and then RSUs. Um, where the education phase typically comes in is actually, uh, depending on the size of the companies, the conversation that a candidate will have with, with their recruiter um, uh, that's representing them in the opportunity. The recruiter either you know at company X, company Y, uh, because the recruiter, um, their, their motivation is to, uh, is to, is to hire the candidate, right? If yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and to be an effect, to be effective at that job, you kind of have to go through that education phase to educate somebody about the ABCs of, of equity. After somebody has gone through some basic education phase, maybe they've gone to the card website and they've got yeah. a basic working understanding of this. What are some of the other things that they need to be thinking about in the uh, job seeking process? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So let's, if we, if we, if we took the, um, your question and like maybe pin down an example, let's say, let's say somebody is evaluating an offer between a, a large publicly traded company mm-hmm. and then and, uh, on the other, and then, so that's one offer on the table. And then the other offer they're receiving is uh, a small startup, right? Um, so the reality is the way the small startup and the large company um, combine uh, total compensation for the individual is going to be, is going to be different. Uh, a large company will be able to offer um, a strong base, uh, probably an annual bonus tied to that, and then some level of liquidity with the with the RSUs. Yeah. And on the other hand, with the small company, you're you're likely going to get a smaller base, and totally. then and then probably uh, depending on the stage of the company, no no bonus mechanism, and then they'll offer you they'll offer you options. Um, so at at face value, when you're looking at these two offers. Um, their large company is going to, is going to look better. The offer is going to, offer is going to look better. And so the way, the way, the way I would suggest somebody uh, looks at that is understanding what the Delta is between mm-hmm. the big company and the small company, because there is going to be some form of Delta. Um, but the question is, okay, let's say the Delta, for example, is $25,000 per year. Okay. Right? Let's say use that example. So over the course of four years, uh, all things being equal, over the course of growth with large company versus small company, 
you know, you know, right now in the today world, you're going to be seeing a hundred thousand dollar difference. In, Got it. Um, now the follow-up question is, wow, okay, if I'm willing to give up a hundred thousand dollars, what's the potential gain for me if I were to um, take the small company? Like, what what does the company small company have an offer that can offset that twenty five thousand dollars? Ah, super interesting. Okay. And that makes me think of like business valuation, like needing, needing for the business to grow so that what at, you know, their annual valuation or whatnot, the share price is priced up enough to then that translates into that hundred thousand dollars or that's where my mind goes down this rabbit hole. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. So you want to put on, you want to put on the, the investor hat. If you were an investor, right. Mm. Um, uh, as a candidate, how are you going to break and, and unpack that? Those two options. You're going to, you're going to want to look, at the company vitals. You're going to understand, well, large companies growing 10% over year, but small startup is telling me that they're growing, they're growing 50% every six months as being an example. Okay. Um, you're going to want to understand, you know, the company's health in terms of profitability and when their target is for uh, when their target date is, you want to understand the market that that company's in, like who are the competitors? What are the comparisons? What are the size of the competitors who may be a few years ahead? Or is this, is this paving a brand new, a brand new path in, in, a, in a brand new industry? Um, so you'll go through those, that, that analysis to try to understand those different, those different vitals. Um, but the one thing that, and this is like going through like the, like the quantification of the dollars, right? Yeah, right. But, but something that, that could get lost in, in the analysis is sometimes small startups offer more in the form of ownership of job, career development, faster trajectory that, that um, depending on your financial circumstances, people are willing to give up that money with the opportunity to grow faster in their career in an environment that perhaps, or maybe maybe tied to like a product whose mission they can stand behind more, et cetera. Mm. That just emphasizes the point that as a job seeker, um, there's multiple factors involved. Because if you're thinking about this, like, you know, you have to, in the job seeking process, put on your investor's hat, you know, for the private company. And then look a little bit more of what's, uh, how does this company fit in with its competitors? What are its growth trajectories? You know, what are their, their targets and what does that mean for the business valuation? And then how does that impact me and my, my family and my net worth? Like that, <laughs> that's some good chewing that somebody needs to do on that seeking process. Yeah. It's, um, it's an, it's an emotional journey, especially if, if you're, if, if you're in a privileged position to be able to weigh competing offers from, from great companies, whether they're, publicly traded startups like it's it's an emotional journey that people people have to go through to yeah kind of dissect what's what's uh, what's kind of like their their set of north star attributes and making their their decision hmm, that's awesome um, I have a couple other questions just thinking about the time frame of some of these because I know that, you know, if you're leaving your current company, maybe you've got equity there or if you're going to a company and they've got equity, there's usually some time frames involved. So yeah, the common setup is a four-year vesting schedule. So it's um, you know you start you start a company day day one, and then that that starts the clock. And so using using numbers example, let's say you get a hundred thousand uh, dollars or a hundred thousand uh, units of of stock from mm -hmm. the company. Mm -hmm. um, the way that'll be vested for you is um, a quarter um, each year up to four years to get you to that hundred percent. Okay. Um, 
But what most companies do, in fact, almost all companies do, is they'll have what's what's called a cliff. Okay. You, you've got to be there for at least the first year to earn that 25%. Okay. And then every month thereafter, you 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 invest like a prorated version of that to get you to your 100%. Okay, gotcha. Uh, that's that's the common setup. And very we've, we've probably come across maybe a handful of companies that maybe have like five-year schedules. Um, I can't recall one that's done three years. Okay. Um, that's good to know though. So like it's the, it's the four years with the one year cliff. Yeah. And okay. And does that, um, does that change at all with any like promotions? Like if you, if you get hired in as a sales job, um, yeah. you know, but later on you change to a manager job. I mean, obviously things could change, but just your base case scenario is that a timeline for vesting making, you know, is that impacted when you get promoted? No, not that I know of. Um, it's uh, it's what you got what what you got offered when you okay. um, when you joined the company. Um, what what could change is if you you grow and you you demonstrate that you're pretty much a, a very very key contributor to the company. Um, a company can hit a point where maybe they'll issue refreshers um, okay. as a mechanism for for retention, and so uh, larger companies will. Will will issue refreshers as being kind of like an automatic sometimes, and then you can almost imagine the snowball effect it creates because you okay. have multiple grants that each have four-year different vesting schedules. Oh, I see. And um, and it creates kind of like this rolling ball, and almost to the point where a lot of the top talent at a lot of the major companies, it becomes like financially prohibitive or ridiculous for them to step away because they're they're leaving so much future grants that are just rolling and rolling and rolling. Wow, that's interesting. Super interesting. Can talk to me about how appropriate is it or not to be negotiating with your salary during uh, this phase as a, for a job seeker? Um, mm-hmm. it, for for both, maybe there's different rules for your large public versus your your small private. So especially for people that do maybe see some value in equity or they believe that there could be a case made for it. So how yeah. uh, how polite or not is it to make be doing some negotiations with your compensation? I think I think it's very appropriate to do it, um, so long as you're approaching the conversation in a kind of like collaborative partnership way with whoever the point of contact is with with the company. Okay. Um, and the context behind that statement is is um, and I can I can say during my time when I was in the seats recruiting you know uh, talent for our clients, um, I always appreciated it when if somebody was asking for more, um, I understood the context behind it. Meaning, oh, that, oh, got it. Meaning they, uh, they have uh, X offers from other companies. Um, and so they're, even though they want this opportunity, they're trying to like weigh things as best as possible. Okay. And then, and then I always appreciated when a candidate would ask me, hey, can you give me context how you came up with the structure of this offer package? Um, and so that's mm-hmm. what I mean by approaching the conversation via a partnership mindset versus a negotiation type, type approach. Okay. Um, you know, many companies nowadays, uh, the common trend is, you know, companies really, at least from what I've seen and I believe, companies really try to, um, they try to preserve parity internally as best as possible. With yeah, their, that's a really good point. With their employee base. And, and oftentimes the offers that a candidate does receive, assuming the company has a very strong people culture, um, they've already done the internal parity analysis. Um, mm, yeah. And, and you gotta like, you gotta respect that as a candidate and you gotta empathize with that if you're going to get into that culture. 
Yeah, totally. So you gotta, you gotta approach it from a partnership contextual way versus yeah. hey, hey, let's negotiate on this. Cause I could see the, you know, as a job seeker, if I put myself in that shoes selfishly, I'm going to want to negotiate maybe for as much as I, as I want. But if I were to then switch my frame of reference around, what if I'm a manager in, in that company and I'm high up and um, you know, I, I don't want multiple different people on staff to have widely different compensation packages that creates some tension with inside my team that I'm trying to foster. Yeah. So I guess that's another, I, you bring up a really good point. Um, as we start to wrap up, can tell me a little bit about 2020. It's now March. Um, a lot's happened already since January, actually. So what are some of the, the, the other trends that you're seeing so far this year and how that's going to impact job seekers? Yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing a trend of, so the market, the market over the past few years has been in a, we've been definitely in a boom state where um, it felt like almost every single company was looking to 2x or 3x in, in growth over a calendar year. Um, now what we're seeing is more of a separation of companies where the companies with really strong business vitals are, are still in that boom state. And then companies that have demonstrated some signal but still need to build up their, their foundation more, they're probably more in like maintain and like slowly grow stage. And then the third category, the ones that um, they're, in many ways their 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 foundational support is not as strong, and so they're 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 being asked to to either trim down or to completely really really downsize. Mm. So as a as a job seeker, um, you really you really have to do your due diligence as you're learning about um, you know the companies you're talking to and you know, really, really taking a thoughtful approach and trying to understand their, their, their business model, their structure, how they're doing, how they got there, where they want to go, what are the headwinds in front of them? Um, that if I was a job seeker, that's a, that's what I would do. I would, I would definitely over index on understanding, um, company, company vitals yeah, and, and strength of the market that they're, that they're, that they're in right now. Awesome. Well, this is not for the faint of heart. We talked about so much, Ken, thanks for coming on sharing your expertise, walking people through, uh, starting with the why, then maybe getting some input from a mentor, getting some education, and then understanding, uh, maybe thinking like an investor as opposed to just a job seeker and like understanding where we stand today uh, in 2020. So this is awesome, man. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to The John Chapman Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We encourage your questions, comments, and feedback. For additional information, check out thejohnchapmanshow.com or look for John on LinkedIn and Twitter. See you next week.